Bad news uh, for employees at uh, Payless Shoes. It looks as if uh, the company is uh, going to be closing up shop, uh, seeking bankruptcy protection. Uh, 2,400 employees uh, right now up in the air. I have no idea what's going to be going on. I've got to tell you, based on some of the stories we've had over the last couple of years about companies that have uh, decided to go belly up, uh, it's not usually good for the employees. Lior Sanfiro joins us, employment lawyer at Sanfiro, Tamarkin, LLP, barristers and solicitors, to uh, give us some perspective on this. Lior, thank you for the time. Great to, uh, that you could join us today. Great to be with you, Bill. This is another sad story, and, and as I say, I, usually it's never a happy ending, especially for the employees. And, and I think if we had to point one thing right now, uh, it's, it's the, the legislation that it's always falls into place in these situations, Lior, seems to protect uh, the investors, uh, the creditors, obviously, but not the employees. That's exactly the way it is, Bill. And, and to better understand what that legislation does, let me set the stage of what would happen normally when someone loses their job in a non-bankruptcy situation. So you wouldn't be surprised to learn that, that people are entitled to some form of compensation. Let's call that severance if you lose your job. And for many people, that could be substantial amounts. You know, for example, when Sears went under a couple of years ago, there were people there working for 30, 40 years. People like that could be owed in excess of two years of pay, two years of severance. And there's going to be many uh, and the employees of payless issues. They would be owed otherwise amounts like that. So normally you lose your job, you get that severance. That money is there to carry you until you find another position and to and make sure that you're okay financially. Mm-hmm. Well, in a bankruptcy situation, uh, the employees are left holding the bag. You're not getting that severance. You're, you're, you're losing your job without any compensation. And the reason for that is employees are considered unsecured creditors by our bankruptcy laws when it comes to their severance. That means that they line up way, way at the back with creditors, uh, which means by the time that money is uh, is paid out to these secured creditors, there's going to be nothing left to pay the employees and other unsecured creditors. Now, who is secured creditors? Usually those are banks. They have uh, a priority when it comes to bankruptcy, and they're going to get paid. uh, And by the time that happens, there's going to be no more compensation left for the employees. And I think that regardless of where anyone is on the political spectrum, I think we can all agree that that's not right. But that's currently what our, our laws provide, Bill. And we heard some of these stories. And, and I know, Lear, you're well acquainted with what happened. Uh, well, it was U.S. Steel at Stelco now uh, here in Hamilton some years ago when they were under creditor protection. And that went on for years, of course, for three or four years. And and the big beef that the union had, obviously they wanted the company to, to be whole again so they could get back to work, was that they found out that they were at the bottom of the totem pole when it came to situations like this. Everybody else was going to get paid. There was going to be no severance. The pensions were going to be gone. Uh, and and it, there's a sense, maybe a false sense of security, I think, with Leo, with a lot of people that are employed right now to think, don't worry, if th- something happens, I'm going to be protected. And that's not the case. Well, you think that our laws are going to protect employees. And let me tell you, generally, in this province, across the country for that matter, our employment laws are quite good. They're, they're extensive, and they do an adequate job, more than adequate, I would say, to protect employees. There's this vacuum. There's this problem when it comes to bankruptcy. It's, it's, it becomes uh, a lawless environment, or at least with respect to employee rights. And the rights that you usually have or that you thought you may have do not exist at that point. Others have priorities over you. And, and you're right, there's this false sense of security that you, will, you have because you are used to being protected and there's laws and there's mechanisms to enforce those laws. But not when it comes to bankruptcy, not when it comes to amounts owing you when a company goes belly up like this. 
Uh, and it's very unfortunate. And who's going to, again, be left holding the bag? It's all these employees who have been working in this business for many years. You know, when I hear some of the stories you tell on, on, on the show, the weekend show that you guys do, uh, it, it boggles the imagination how little we really know about employment law. I mean, we as employees, uh, it's it's obviously something we should actually have some knowledge about because it's going to impact our livelihoods. But it, it's amazing how, I, I say maybe naive to a certain extent, but uninformed maybe is a better expression, uh, until it actually hits the, you know you, and then all of a sudden uh, they're scrambling and they really don't know who to turn to. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. You know, we spend so much of our lives at work. We spend more time working than we do probably anything else that, that, that we have going on. And employment laws are important because they govern what we do most of our lives. And so many people know very little. And by the way, employers as well. Oftentimes, especially you know smaller employers that don't have sophisticated uh, legal counsel or HR in-house, may be under a misapprehension as to what the law says uh, and, and what legal rights and entitlements are. But it is important, and you know we we try through through the radio show and others to to educate the public. Uh, and the unfortunate thing is that you know someone may may contact me and uh, in, in a bankruptcy situation, and I have to tell them, yeah, there's all these laws, and I can tell you what they are. But guess what? None of them apply to you. That is very unfortunate. And and I want to focus on that. And 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 again, because it is an apples and oranges situation, because there are other situations, as you say, where compensation is required. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to paint everybody with a, one brush here, and I'm not trying to say all employers are, are bad guys, but I, I, I don't think I've ever heard, Lior, in, in, in the years I've been following this and, of course, listening to your show and listening to other folks that are involved in employment law, uh, a situation where an employer says, this is the maximum I can give you, here it is. Uh, it, it really, that, that offer that of, of settlement in a situation like that is really, really the beginning of negotiations a lot of the time, isn't it? Well, I, I, I've been doing this for 16 years, and I've talked to thousands of people that have lost their jobs over that period of time, and I can tell you that well over 90% of the people, when they're let go and they're staring at that, that separation papers, whatever that offer is, is usually pennies on the dollar for 90% of people. And there could be two reasons for that. In, in many cases, as you've just said, the employer itself may be unaware of its obligations. In other cases, the employer may hope that the employee is, uh, is unaware uh, but you're right. This is ultimately the beginning of the process, not the end. So many times people think, well, they're the company. They're bigger and smarter and more sophisticated. They must know. So if they say, I get this, that must be right. Well, it's not, and often it isn't. And it's up to the employees to inform themselves and, and arm themselves with the knowledge that they need, not just when you lose your job, but certainly when you lose your job, because that is when uh, issues often arise and often when money is very important. Uh, so, yes, people have to inform themselves, employers and employees, and do not assume that whatever the employer says is the case. It may not be. Well, and let's face it, one of the elements involved in this is shock. I mean, unless you can see it coming, I mean, this comes as, as a, a lightning bolt out of the sky for a lot of people. My God, I've lost my job. What about my mortgage, my car payments, my kids' university uh, tuition, and on and on it goes. Uh, and all of a sudden you think, there's no there's no income. What am I going to do? And you're, you're presented with a, a document that's probably got a larger sum than you might be used to seeing there, and you figure, I guess i got to take that, because I, I, I can't be without anything. You, you've painted the picture so accurately, and I've said this many times. You know, This is probably the worst time for you to make a decision. It, you, you're called into a meeting. You, you thought you are going in today for a regular day. All of a sudden, you're, you're being dragged into a boardroom. Today's your last day. You didn't know it was coming. Oh, my God, I have to pay my, my kid's education. I have a mortgage, and I have bills, and, and my spouse is not working. And then you're being offered some payment and told to make a decision by, by Friday or else. 
not a good time to make a decision. And so many people make that decision, sign the paper, because they're not in the right state of mind to, to, to think about it, to get advice, uh, that they're, they're scared. Uh, they're, they're, they're not thinking necessarily clearly, and that's a problem. That is a problem because once you sign off, despite everything I just said, you really can't get out of it. You can't say, wait a second, I, I, now that I've calmed down, I realize that I was, a, it was a mistake. And one of the most common calls that I get in my office are people that have signed off on that separation offer and realized too late that now that, that, that wasn't adequate and they want help. And I have to tell them, I can't help you once you've signed off. Uh, it is a very, very bad and difficult time for people to make financial decisions, uh, and unfortunately, that's what they have to do. And, and again, because of that, that lack of information, I mean, there's, uh, there's an idea. I, mean, I know you've talked about this on the show, too, Lior. Uh, a lot of folks say, oh, I know what the formula is. It's usually just a, a week's pay for every year of employment. Well, that's not necessarily the case, is it? It isn't, and a person's minimum entitlements may be a week per year of service, but their full entitlements, what we call their common law entitlements, which apply to everyone, could be substantially more. They could be a month per year. They could be three months per year. The main factors are your age, your position, and the length of your employment. So I, I, I see all the time, I hear from people that say, well, they offered me the standard uh, two weeks or four weeks or eight weeks when they could be owed five times that so that that's one of the biggest misconceptions, and I've dedicated the last six or seven years of my career trying to kind of dispel that misconception, uh, and, and you're absolutely right. People believe that. It's not true, so you have to get proper advice before you, you make that assumption. And, and again, whether it's unionized or non-unionized, uh, I mean, let's well, we'll talk about that for just a second. I know we're kind of getting off on a, a, a side road here, but I think it's important since we're talking about this happening, and, and sadly it's happening all too often. Uh, the union will offer some advice and protection, but it's still, I would think, good advice to get legal advice on, on a situation like that anyway. And, and you know, when, when you're in a unionized environment, the union is your representative. So you're not able to say, well, forget the union, I am going to deal with my employer on my own. It has to be the union. But, again, just because it's the union doesn't mean you don't have a role as the employee to, pay in that, uh, to play in that. You still have to understand what you're going to be seeking. You have to understand what your rights are so that you can better direct the union, especially with smaller employers where there may not be too much experience or, or sophistication on the union's part. So you can't just say, well, the union will deal with it and I don't know anything about anything. As the employee, you have to be the advocate for your rights, uh, definitely in a, in a non-union environment, but also in a union environment. What about these situations? And, and you know, we talked about the U.S. Steel slash Stelco situation, and, and thankfully there was a happy ending to that. Uh, you know, because if the company is whole now and actually is, is in a profit situation, and the employees are back, and uh, so that's good. But that that's that's the exception. Uh, oftentimes, when somebody goes down this road. Uh, CCAA protection here in the Canadian law, they call Chapter 11, I guess, down in the States, but it's variations on the same theme. It doesn't end well, and we saw that with Sears, and now it looks like we're going to see it again with Payless. Uh, I know that some of the Sears employees tried to, uh, to undertake some legal action. Do they have any tools at all they are in, when they're in a circumstance like this? You know, the unfortunate thing, uh, Bill, is they don't. The company essentially has this, this cocoon, I call it, of protection around them which means you cannot really take legal action because ultimately, as, as unfair and unreasonable uh, it sounds what they're doing, you know, that they're making sure that banks get paid, they have to do that. And if you recall in the Sears situation, they were paying significant bonuses to executives when their you know, run-of-the-mill employees were getting nothing. And you know, people were outraged, and for good reason. But again, they were required by, by bankruptcy laws to ensure 
that they maximized the amount for their creditors, and they did that by ensuring that their executives stayed in place to, to, to oversee that process. So as unreasonable as it sounds, there isn't much of a by way of legal recourse. I think the change here has to be in the legislation. And I've advocated that there's no reason why we can't make employees secured creditors with respect to their severance, or at least make them secured creditors with respect to a portion of their severance. 20%, 50%, whatever you want, it's still better than nothing. Uh, right now, it's, a, it's, a, it's an all-or-nothing situation, and I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair. And until the statute, uh, back, Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act, and other uh, bankruptcy statutes that are federal, until those change, you're going to see more and more situations like that. It's pay less shoes now. It could be another major retailer tomorrow. You know, it's a very difficult uh, time now in the retail sector I don't think we've heard the last of these types of stories, Bill. Well, and, and that's the problem. And I, I know that, when, again, to go back to the Stelco situation with U.S. Steel, I, I mean, I talked to members of the, the federal government at that time. I had the guys guests on the program, and, and, and I know there was some call for them to change CCAA legislation. I said, forget that. You just need to put another bill together here that actually offers some protection. I, I find it unfathomable that, that workers, dedicated employees, as you mentioned, Leo, some of them have been there for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, would be basically unsecured. In other words, the law basically says that this company has no responsibility to those people. And, and you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a politician. I don't even pretend to be. But it seems to me that if our government were to put forward a bill like that, would it really have a hard time passing? Will they really be opposed? Would anyone say, no, we should provide less protection to employees? So I, I, I think that's absurd to, to that that hasn't happened yet. I think it's absurd that no one... Uh, approach this or thought about this more, taking it seriously. I had contacted a number of MPs back when the Sears story happened a couple of years ago, and I got some very nice letters. Oh, we were committed to employee rights, but, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding and nothing has happened so far. It's, it's frustrating. And until something happens, you and I are going to be having this discussion again at some point. I know it. Does anybody else get this right? I mean, is there another jurisdiction anywhere, Lior, that actually says, yeah, we're, we've got your back here? Unfortunately, not in North America. There are jurisdictions in, in in Europe that treat employees much better and protect them better when in a bankruptcy situation. Uh, you know, their laws are different altogether, but there's no reason why we can't look at that. And ultimately, it's it's a matter of a, a small change. And you know, I understand the fact that there's a reason, uh, Bill, why banks get priorities because we want to encourage banks to lend money. We don't want banks to be concerned to lend money. But I don't think it's a situation where if we provide some protection to employees, that banks are going to say that's it. We're not going to we're not going to lend money. Uh, I think that there's enough uh, that it can be done here to protect employees somewhat, to make sure that the banks are still uh, happy and, and do what they're supposed to do. Uh, there's got to be a win-win here, as opposed to the employees losing every time, all the time. Well, and and I understand from talking to a number of folks that have been involved in this, and heaven knows you have, obviously, with the clients that you've had over the years, Lior, and I don't think anybody's saying, look, it put the employees at the top of that list of creditors, but at least put us on the list anyway. Yeah, you know, get us, give us a fighting chance to get something, whereas right now the employees are, are so far in the back of the list that there's really nothing there. Now, the employees, and by the way, this is not unprecedented because employees are on the top of the list when it comes to unpaid wages. Yeah. So if I didn't work, uh, or if I work today and, and this week, and then the company goes under, you owe me money for this week, and for that I'm considered a secured creditor. I'm going to get paid. But so again, that protection, which of course makes sense, there's no reason why it can't be expanded to include some other things, maybe even pension. 
people work really hard for their pension. Why should they lose pension uh, in that type of a situation? So I think it's a small change, and I hope that by, by us talking about it, hopefully others will talk about it as well. And at some point, it can affect the change. Well, it's got to be awfully frustrating when you have a, a potential client that's looking at this, and you may get a few calls from the folks at, at Payless over the next couple of days, I'm sure, Leor, uh, to suggest that, look, at you guys, you're really up against it here, and nobody's got your back on this. And uh, then they fall into the situation about what happens next. And, of course, uh, I know that the government's tried to do something about employment insurance laws and, 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 and wait periods and things of this nature, but uh, it's, it's a pretty dark picture for an awful lot of people that find themselves in this predicament. It's a tough situation. You know, the, if there is a silver lining, if is that uh, arguably it's easier to find a, a job now than it was, you know, a few years ago. Uh, unemployment rates uh, have, have gone down. So hopefully they'll be able to land on their feet. But it's not easy, certainly when you hit a certain age, uh, certainly when you've been in a position for very long and you may have very specific skills. Uh, I, I do hope for these individuals that are able to land on their feet and find a position so that they can support their family. But for some of them, it's going to be a struggle, and they're going to get no help, unfortunately, from our laws at this point. Well, and especially when something like this comes out of the blue. I mean, uh, in, in Sears, we could kind of see that coming uh, with department stores and, and uh, whether, you know, the, the argument, of course, that they didn't change with the times, et cetera. But shoe stores, you figure, oh, these guys are always going to, everybody needs shoes. Uh, but that's, I guess, the story that we're going to find out down the road as to why this happened uh, from an economic standpoint. But in the meantime, uh, good to get some advice from folks like you, Lior. Thanks so much for the time today. Thanks, Bill. A pleasure. Great talking with you again. Lior Sanfiro, of course, employment lawyer, and uh, you can uh, check them out, of course, with the weekend show here on CHML.